And so, we're going to preach on the power of the Holy Ghost. I grew up in the church of God when it was preached. Seemed like every time you turned around, every service, every other service. But it seems like we've moved from that. We don't put emphasis or focus on it very much anymore. But we are a Pentecostal church. Not just a Pentecostal organization or denomination, but I'm talking about locally, Southern Hills. We are a Pentecostal church. That was weak. I said we are a Pentecostal church. That's better. We believe in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. I had a precious couple that started attending church where we were pastoring in Louisiana one time and uh, they asked me the question, Pastor, I want to ask you a question. They had attended another Pentecostal uh, denomination and they said, we have often heard you use the term Holy Ghost and we've always heard Holy Spirit. Can you tell me what the difference is? And I said, absolutely nothing. Nothing. The King James says Holy Ghost and the words are interchangeable. There's nothing different between Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit. Let's read in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you have heard from me for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now so when they had come together they were asking him saying Lord is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel he said to them it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth, or the King James says the uttermost part of the earth. Lord, I ask you to touch the preacher today. Your word's anointed and blessed already, but help me, Lord. I need your help today. Speak through me, Lord. Hide me behind the cross. Let nothing proceed out of my mouth except that which is authored and anointed by you. And Father, we'll give you the praise for everything that's done. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. You may be seated this morning. Let me just say welcome to our guests that are here today. We're delighted that you are with us. We thank you for worshiping with us. We're just one big family. We're part of the family of God. Amen. And also I'll remind you because it was a date change. Next Sunday morning, the general overseer, Dr. Tim Hill, will be in service with us. And he'll be preaching in that service. So make plans to be here. I've already looked at the weather. It's going to be a nice 75 degrees. So that's not going to be a reason to stay home. Amen. Amen. We're expecting a great day in the Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, I think we have entered into a time where the Holy Spirit, and I said this earlier, is preached about less and less. And because of that, we have people that are sitting in our churches today that have a lack of knowledge. And you know, a lot of times we are guilty of shunning and distancing ourselves from something that we don't know a lot about. Amen? Maybe we don't... Um, want to partake of something because we're not quite sure. I'll be honest with you, there are times that we go to a restaurant and if I see something on the menu that I think sounds good just, just by reading the descriptive uh, text that's on the menu, there may be a word or something that's in there, some kind of a sauce or ingredient that, that I may not be familiar with. I'll pick my phone up and Google it to find out if it's really something I want to eat. Because I don't want to partake of something that I don't like. And I want to just tell you that I went to a restaurant one time and I ordered something on the menu and I didn't really know what it was. We were trying a new restaurant and I didn't eat my meal. I didn't like it. It was nasty and I just didn't eat it. But I made a mental note not to ever order that again. So the point that I'm getting at is because there's been a lack of, or it seems like it's, it, it's not been the focal point in the pulpit that there's been a lack of emphasis on it, even in Pentecostal realms. Shame on us. Shame on us for not making it an emphasis in the Pentecostal church. Let me just dive into this this morning and see if the Lord can help us. The power of the Holy Spirit. And I've been going to some other places in uh, Scripture this morning, but in Acts 10.38... There's an encounter with a powerful declaration. We'll get to that verse a little bit later, but I just want to point out the text of it. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now, let me just pause right here and just tell you We've been here about 18 months, and I've been around most all of you long enough to know that like me, you don't measure up to Jesus. Would you agree with that statement? It's okay. I'm not going to get mad and say, Pastor, you don't measure up to Jesus. You're trying. You're doing the best you can, but I'm not as good as he. Right? You see where I'm going? Why, why, why am I saying that? Because if, if the Scripture tells us that God the Father anointed God the Son, Jesus of Nazareth, with God the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, then I can already tell you, I need it and you need it. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 gives an account of Jesus being carried up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I heard a preacher preach one time and he said, he was preaching about that and he said, Jesus wasn't really tempted of the devil. And I said, well, I don't know what Bible he's reading. My Bible says he was tempted of the devil. Right? But in Luke chapter 4 verse 1, it specifically says, And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. So I'm just here to tell you that if Jesus needed the Holy Ghost, I need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. Listen, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I was having a conversation with a pastor friend of mine not too long ago. We were talking about this. and You know, I had watched a video of a mutual friend of ours and, and I just commented to this pastor friend of mine I said I, I'm guilty of saying what he said but I'm sick and tired of saying it 
So let me just pull the cover off and reveal what I'm talking about here. He said, no, you don't need to be filled with the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. It's not a requirement. It's a gift. Can we agree with that? Isn't that what Scripture teaches? There's only one requirement to go to heaven. You've got to confess your sins. You've got to be washed in the blood. Your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You've got to just be saved. But you don't have to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Here's why I'm sick and tired of saying those kind of things. Because I believe we have reached a time in the church to where we excuse the lack of pursuit of the baptism of the Holy Ghost by saying, I just don't need it to go to heaven. I'm going to tell you what you need it for. You need it to go to Walmart in Oklahoma City. You need it to drive down 240. Hello. And I 40. You need it. We excuse it by saying, well, it's not a requirement, so I don't need it. Let me just tell you something. There's benefits to having it. And if Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost then I need to be anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost. This verse unveils the dynamic work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. Listen, let's look at this word power as it's used in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I believe the King James says, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The word power here in its Greek definition and meaning is the word dunamis. Now you may have never heard of that word before. If you've been in a Pentecostal church very long, I hope you have. But it's the word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. Listen, I said this one time. I'm fixing to date myself real well. And I'm not that old. Anybody remember the sitcom that used to come on Good Times with J.J. and Dynamite? I said that in a sermon one time and I had a man in my church that changed the ringtone on his phone that every time I called him it was J.J. going, Dynamite! <laughs> but dunamis is where we get the English word dynamite from which tells me that it is something that is explosive with its power. But in the same regard, the Holy Ghost is a perfect gentleman. I promise you, if you don't want it, you ain't going to get it. You're not going to just be sitting in church one day with no desire to have it. And it just sneak up on you and arrest you. You've got to want it. You've got to seek it. You've got to have a desire to have it. We live in a time where power is everything. Everybody wants power. Everybody wants authority. Everybody wants to walk in power. We have certain amounts of power that are delegated to us by specific offices or titles that we carry. As a pastor, I have specific powers and duties and authorities. But I am not just so powerful that I don't have anybody to answer to. I have people to answer to. Our state officials have people to answer to. Even in our highest branches of govern, government, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial branch, while they are powerful branches, they all answer to one another. Or supposed to. 
But the reality of it is people want power. People want prestige. But the problem I see in the church is we want enough to get to heaven, but we don't want the power to live right, to walk right, to talk right, and to act right while we're down here. Dunamis, it's explosive. Not only does it mean powerful or force, but listen, it's also used, the same word is used 117 times in the New Testament. It also means miraculous power. That's why we believe in the miraculous. That's why we believe that miracles can take place in the house of God. Because we are a part of a denomination and a church that believes in the power of the Holy Ghost that can sweep through a room in a building and do things in a moment's time that nobody else can do. Dunamis, dynamite. I don't know about you, but I hate things that are boring. I hate a strong word. I hate boring stuff. I, if a movie doesn't catch my attention in the first five to ten minutes, I'm probably going to go find something in the refrigerator. Because I can't stand boring things. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I, if we get the live stream working, we on live, good. This may mark me off some list or something, I don't know. I can't stand boring church. I just can't stand it. I'll be counting the holes in the tile in the ceiling if it's boring. I'm a part of a Pentecostal church that believes in the operation of the Spirit, the movement, the action, the power, the miraculous. What are you saying? I believe in a, in, in a God who is alive, who is able to step over the balcony of heaven down into my life and correct things that need to be corrected and to direct me when I need to be directed and to fix things in my life. We're not just serving some statue sitting in a corner somewhere gathering dust, but we are serving Jehovah God who sits on the throne of heaven and wants to be involved in our lives. And you and I have the authority and the ability to walk in that power. Let me get back over here. Help me, Lord. Dunamis. It appears 117 times in the New Testament. Let's talk about the creative dimension of this power. The creative dimension of this power is like dynamite. Now, dynamite creates havoc. Most of the time, if you like dynamite, it's because you need to blow something up. Hello. When I was a kid, they wouldn't let me have dynamite. I got the next best thing, black cat firecrackers. What them M10s and M24, we call them cherry bombs. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? And because one wasn't powerful enough, we would take two or three and twist the fuse together because we wanted to blow something up. Some of you looking at me thinking, how in the world did he ever become a preacher? <laughs> I wanted some power. I wanted some dynamite. It was explosive. So when I look at this, the power of the Holy Ghost is creative in its operation. The Holy Spirit's power is not passive, it's explosive. Just as God created the universe with a word, He empowers us to create impact wherever we go. Now, when you walk up on somebody, 
Not that you blow them up, but your spirit should blow their spirit up and make an impact. We see this creative impact in Genesis chapter 1. When the scripture teaches us in verses 1 through 3 that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just some new fad that's come around. It's not something that just came in my lifetime. It's been here all along. The Spirit's creative power transforms chaos into order. Some of you have so much chaos going on in your life right now and you can't understand why it is, I can tell you. It's because you lack the power of the Holy Spirit to direct the affairs of your life. God didn't save us for us to go willy-nilly and do our own thing. Jesus said, it is expedient that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. The Comforter is the Holy Spirit. While the disciples had Jesus walking with them during his time of ministry on the earth, many people have said, well, you know, we're not fortunate enough to have Jesus. No, but we have the next best thing. He said, when I ascend into heaven, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, is going to come. While we don't have Jesus in the flesh walking with us, we have the agent of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Spirit here with us. Leading us and guiding us and directing us if we'll yield to Him. The power of the Holy Ghost will bring chaos into order. If you've got chaos in your life, yield to the Spirit. Not only will he bring chaos into order, but he will bring brokenness into beauty. The Holy Spirit can walk into your life, pick up the broken pieces, and put them back together again. My Lord. He can turn despair into hope. He empowers us to create an impact. There's a passage of Scripture in the New Testament where this demonic spirit said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? You see, I believe we ought to all have a reputation in hell. That when our feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil gets on the megaphone or the intercom and dispatches all of hell and tells them, Hey, they're awake. Look out. You say, well, that's, that's silly, preacher. That's the power we have the ability to walk in. Jesus even told us in the New Testament that the very works that he did, we should do also in even greater works. He didn't mean greater in magnitude. He meant greater in number because our ministry time is typically longer than his is. Or his was. The power of the Holy Spirit is creative. Not only is it creative, but it moves in demonstration. How is this possible? There are visible manifestations Jesus moved in signs, wonders, and miracles. The Holy Spirit's anointing on him was evident through healing, deliverance, and supernatural acts. It was visible. Jesus walked to a blind man. And in just a few moments, he would be receiving his sight. He unstopped deaf ears, he made the lame man to walk. He made the dumb to talk. 
He caused those who had died and drawn their last breath to come back to life. Why? Because he moved in demonstrative power of the Holy Spirit. Miracles, signs, and wonders. I told you that this word dunamis appears in the New Testament approximately 117 times. It appears more than just in the use of the word power. I'll just give you a couple of accounts. Because it means miraculous, the woman with the issue of blood, you remember that story, who pressed her way through the crowd, she reached up and touched the hem of his garment. The very word that Jesus used there when he says, I perceive virtue has left out of me. Power, healing, miracle, working power has left my body and went into her. What he was saying is, uh, that's the same word he gave us for the Holy Spirit. The miraculous, the dunamis, the dynamite. What happened? I can just see it right now. Just pardon me while I'm a little bit visual with reading the scripture. I can see this now. The woman is pressing her way through the crowd. She finally makes her way to Jesus. In all of her weakness and her stricken, ill-fated state, she reaches up and touches the hem of his garment. Virtue leaves out of him, goes into her. And you know what happened? When virtue went into her body, it exploded. And when that virtue exploded in her body, it blew away every spirit of infirmity and she was healed. That's why we can say it's dynamite. It's also the same word we find in Luke chapter 8 when Jesus walked into the home of Jairus and his 12-year-old daughter had laid there and they said, trouble not the master for she's already dead. Jesus walked in she said, she ain't dead, she's just asleep. And they began to laugh and make fun. He turned around and said, get out of here! He probably said it a little different than that, but I mean that's, when I read the Bible, that's what I read. He put them out. And he took her by the hand and he spoke the word and the young girl come back to life. What happened? I can tell you what happened. When he spoke the word, he spoke it with power and that dunamis power went into her body and it caused her sleep state or her death state, if you will, to be exploded by the power that invaded her body. Why do you, I've had people tell me, Pastor, when you lay hands on me and pray for me, I felt, I felt fire go over me. I felt power hit me. That's the Holy Ghost. There's power. I'm not talking about some weak man be pan be force, but I'm talking about the power that has the ability to go down in the aisle where you're sitting. And if you're saved by grace this morning, at some point in your life, this had to have happened to you. While some preacher was preaching and giving an altar call or whatever your story of salvation is, it all is gonna end the same way. The Holy Spirit came and nestled up to you where you were sitting and he began to tug on your heart and draw you by the Spirit of God to an altar of repentance. What is the power of the Holy Spirit able to do? It's able to eradicate sin and draw those that are lost and undone to an altar of repentance. I'm telling you, there is absolutely no restriction to his power. And when it explodes, sin disintegrates. We're washed in the blood. Covered by the blood. It's demonstrative. What are we instructed? We should live a life in such a way that as we walk through our daily life, miracles, signs, and wonders are following us. 
Do y'all believe that? Yep. Ain't that what the book says? Demonstrative power. Our lives should display the Spirit's power tangibly as if they could, it could be reached out and touched. When we pray, we lay hands on the sick, we share the gospel, and signs follow. We lay hands on the sick, healing occurs. We give an altar call for repentance, the sinner comes down and gets saved. The drug addict can walk down and be set free, not because the preacher's got power, but because there is power in the one who sits on the throne of heaven, my Lord God. I just come by to tell you something today. You and I have the ability to walk in the same power that Jesus walked in. That's the scripture. I know. I get it. We're afraid of being labeled. Fanatic. Holy roller. Stay away from them, boy. They're they radical. they out there. Well, if you're looking to be in the crowd with everybody else, Jesus didn't move that way. Jesus stood out. Jesus was mocked and made fun of. This demonstrated, this demonstrative power, it moves in demonstration. It shows us what he'll do. What are some visible acts of it? Well, it's in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We probably could all quote it. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place, in one mind, and in one accord. Sounds like unity. There suddenly came a sound from heaven like of a violent rushing wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them. Hello, somebody. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Demonstration. Moving in demonstration. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me hurry. Not only is it creative, not only is it powerful in demonstration, but it empowers for service. The Spirit anoints us for specific tasks. Just as Jesus went about doing good, we are commissioned to impact the world. I know what we like to do. You can be in a busy store. You can be somewhere in public. And somebody will say, pray for me. And you'll say, I'll pray for you. But you won't pray for them there. You'll wait till you're not visible. Anybody ever been guilty of that? I raise my hand. I have. My hometown. We had a dear brother that pastored the church, and he was a pillar of the community. And you didn't walk up to him in Walmart. His name was Joseph Rucker. You didn't walk up to him in Walmart or the grocery store or on the sidewalk of the main street and say, "Brother." Joseph, would you pray for me? Because he's going to stop whatever he's doing right there, and we finna have a prayer meeting. Aisle 13 by the dish liquid at Walmart. <laughs> Dawn ain't the only thing that can wash some things away. You stop him in the grocery store, he's going to pray. I remember a prayer meet outside in the yard one day. People driving by. He didn't care. Both hands in the air. He was praying. He was calling on the name of the Lord. That's called 
demonstration. We've got to quit trying to relegate God and the Holy Spirit to some back room somewhere because we're afraid of being labeled a fanatic. We need some Holy Ghost filled people who will want to operate and move in a spirit of boldness to stand up and say, if you need prayer in Walmart, I'll lay hands on you and pray for you. So what if it draws a crowd? Give an altar call. You know what we do? I'm, listen, I'm as guilty as the next person. We'll be scrolling TikTok. Some of them going, what's TikTok? That's more than what the clock does. Our Facebook reels. And we'll find these videos of people praying in Walmart or preaching in Walmart. I've seen them preaching in Walmart. And we'll share it. Oh, they, this is glorious. But we wouldn't be caught dead doing something like that. Why is that? Hello, somebody. We, we are to be... People of impact. Holy Ghost and what? Holy Ghost and fire. When a fire takes place and a fire truck's on the way, like it was when I was down in Chickasha the other night, I had to stop because this fire truck come barreling through my lane. Thank the Lord I was sitting in a red light with his lights flashing and his siren going. And I didn't know what happened, but I had enough common sense to know something's on fire. Here's what I've come to learn about fire. Fire will attract the attention of other people. I read a story one time where the church had caught on fire. Physical fire, not spiritual fire. Physical fire. Flames were blowing out the top of the building. Some of the deacons had gotten there and they were grabbing hold of the piano. They were trying to move the piano out of the building. And in their struggle to move that heavy piano, all of a sudden it got real easy to move. And one of the deacons looked up and there was the town bum on the other end of the piano. And the good deacon, you know, the good deacon, said, why would you come to church now? You've never come before. The town bum looked at him. He said, first time I've ever seen the church on fire. <laughs> now you laugh, but there's some other people looking at us and saying, if the church would just get on fire again, maybe I could go there and receive something. You see, this church was born in Acts chapter 2 in the fire. Baptized in the fire. Why are we trying to put the fire out? Somebody throw some Holy Ghost gasoline on the fire and let's have a good old fashioned Holy Ghost tongue talking, devil chasing revival again. Where needs are met, people are saved, healing takes place, deliverance takes place, the yokes of bondage are destroyed. We are people of power and it's time to operate in power. He empowers us to do task. Let me ask you a question. Are we tapping into the Spirit's power for everyday acts? Or are we just passively moving through life? The baptism of the Holy Spirit empowers us beyond salvation. It's an ongoing and filling mission. Lord, i got to hurry. Not only is it empowering, but it is transformative. It renews our minds. Here's one we don't like. It convicts of sin. 
He came to reprove the world of sin. And He sanctifies us. We become vessels fit for His use. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. I've got to bring this out. Paul writing to young Timothy here, he said, I'm not going to take the time to read the preceding four verses, just hit verse 5. Holding or having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The word power is the same word used in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. What this means is that externally speaking, they were playing the part. They showed up to church on Sunday. They looked like they were where they needed to be. They were holding to all the religious rituals. But the truth of the matter was they only had a form of godliness but they denied the power that comes and transforms our life. I'm just telling you something. The Holy Spirit is transformative. What do you mean it's transformative? If the Holy Spirit is in operation in our life, there are certain things we won't listen to. There are certain things we won't partake of. Because it's not healthy to our spirit, man. There are certain things we won't let our eyes gaze upon. But our life is in chaos, preacher. Why is our life in chaos? Because the Spirit's not been allowed to bring things into order. We begin to dabble in this and dabble in that, and well, you know, it's okay. It's just, it'll be all right. You know, just a little bit won't hurt. Hello, somebody. We wonder why we're struggling with the youth in America today. It's because we don't have anybody preaching the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. They're looking for something to tap into and the world is doing a better job of offering them something than the church is. I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm 48 years old. And I don't know when the Lord's going to call me home or if I'll go in the rapture. But as long as there's breath in my body, my kids, my grandkids, and any kid under my ministry will know about the power of the Holy Spirit and its operation and function in our life. Because I'm going to tell you something, there comes, a, there comes a time that even though we're washing the blood, we need a good old-fashioned Sunday come to Jesus meeting. Lord, fix some things. I've allowed myself to stray. I've allowed myself to partake of things. Hello, somebody. It's transformative. It'll transform your heart. It'll transform your mind. It'll transform your mouth. It'll transform, it'll change the way you walk. It'll change the way you talk. Preacher, I don't know about all that tongue talking stuff. You just ain't never tried it. Nobody knew chocolate pie was as good as chocolate pie is good until they put the first bite in their mouth. Hello? I know that's simple and elementary, but it's, it's the truth. I'm out of here. When's the last time we've allowed the Spirit in operation in us to impact somebody else's life? The Spirit, the power of the Spirit will conform us to Christ's image, making us an effective witness. 
This power is still real. Let me just, let me just speak to, to you from my heart for a minute. Come on, brother, to the piano. We have made things so complicated in the church. We have made things so complicated. We've got less and less people interested in the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit because maybe they were saw things early on in their life that they didn't understand and nothing was really explained to them. Let me just let me just can I just talk to you from a Pentecostal church kid perspective I grew up in the church I grew up people shouting around the front of the church because the preacher had prayed for them and the spirit of God had hit them and I've seen them dance, I've seen them run I've seen them walk the backs of the pews the only thing I haven't seen is anybody swing from the chandeliers, never seen that but I've seen people anybody ever seen anybody jump up and walk the backs of the pews it, raise your hand if you've ever said that. That is something you. I've seen people make laps around the church. I've made laps around the church. We've danced, we've shouted, we've fell out. It's demonstrative. And people have sat back and said, I don't know about all that. I have a simple explanation for you. Can I just explain it to you as simple as I know how? On a good sunny 75 degree afternoon. When you're sitting out at the football field and the baseball stadium. and Or maybe you're in the gym and little Johnny scores a touchdown or hits a home run or scores a three point basket. And because you mom and daddy or grammy or grandpa or auntie and uncle or whoever you are to them. You jump up to your feet and start laughing. Because you're excited about what just happened. All we do in here. Because when you've been overcome by the Spirit of God and He completely takes over you, you can't contain yourself. You can't control yourself. He takes complete control. I was in a camp meeting service one time as a young boy. Dear African American brother get out of his seat during worship and he would dance down the aisles of the church he'd dance, he'd dance I mean, I mean the whole time music, he'd dance pastored a man like this in Texas one time, he'd just dance he'd dance he'd dance music stops, he'd go sit down somebody said well he's not in the spirit because if he was in the spirit he wouldn't quit when the music stopped you know what he said Holy Ghost ain't no dummy he knows when the music stops tell you what else my Bible teaches me that when the Ark of the Covenant which represented the presence of God was coming back to its rightful place that David danced before the Lord in all of his might his might he wasn't in the spirit he was, he was having an exuberant joyous dance because the Ark of the Covenant was coming home so don't let things that happen turn you off from it I've seen people who are just overcome by the spirit of God just sit and weep 
I've seen people quench the spirit. The Bible tells us not to do that. I had somebody tell me in the church, we passed it, Pastor, I almost ran a lap this morning. I said, why didn't you? Why did you just almost do it? Why did you just almost do it? It's okay. Take a lap. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not trying to work anything up. I'm trying to give some explanation to people who maybe have been in the dark on some things and not understood why certain things have happened in the church. Like the dear sister said to a pastor one time, she said, aren't we supposed to act like Jesus? I never saw where he did all that shouting and dancing and running the aisles and stuff. The pastor said, sister, you're right, he didn't, but everybody he touched always did. Take a lame man being healed, he leapt to his feet. Hello, somebody. The power of the Holy Ghost. Let me, let me tell you why I believe in it. As you're standing, I, I, I don't... I'm not holding you hostage. I want you to stand. I'm getting ready to give the altar call. Let me tell you why I believe in it. I believe in it because the month was March 1990. Probably 14 years old because I... My math is correct. I'd have turned 15 that November. See, this is what I was talking about earlier. When something significant happens in your life, you don't forget it. <laughs> March of 1990, we were having a revival. J.L. Knight was the pastor. His son, Michael, and I are best friends. I went and preached his pastor appreciation last April in Alabama. He's pastoring there. Dexter Jeffers was the preacher who was preaching revival. It was the brother-in-law of Pastor J.L. Knight. I'm telling you, when something significant happens, you don't forget it. I was sitting from the pulpit on this side of the church about the third row back. Michael and I were sitting there on a Wednesday night. And Brother Jeffers preached a message titled kids power and superheroes never forget it he gave the altar call and at the same time Michael and I both bolted to the front of the church and that was the night the Lord baptized me in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance something in my life happened that night of such significance I've never forgotten it never Shady Grove Church of God in Holly Ridge, Louisiana just a little country church that's where we were at sitting out in the middle of a cotton field but the Holy Ghost had the address I said the Holy Ghost had the address and I'm here to tell you this morning the same Holy Ghost that was real in 1990 is the same Holy Ghost that is real in 2024. Never look back. There comes a time in my life that I just feel like I'm empty and I need a refilling and guess what? Here he comes. And I'm just telling you something, church. We're living in the last of the last days. I often ask myself, how much worse can things get before the rapture takes place? 
I'm telling you something. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And you're going to need some power. You're going to need some power to deal with some folk. You're going to need some power to walk through some things. You're going to need some boldness to rise up on the inside of you and say, in spite of what it looks like, my faith is firmly planted in the God that I serve. My blessed God. I'm not ashamed to be Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't care what anybody says about me. 